Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Podrig, recording from Salt Spring Island. And I'm Oshin, recording from Salt Spring Island. We're at my father-in-law's bed and breakfast on Salt Spring Island, and it's the nicest bed and breakfast anyone has ever stayed in in their lives. So you should go to saltspringstonehouse.com and book yourself a stay here sometime. <laughs> oh, we got a sponsor. Yeah, yeah, saltspringstonehouse.com is the sponsor of this episode. And also the location of our recording. We're both in the same place for the first time recording a podcast. We've never even attempted this before. We're probably going to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be terrible. But I mean, at least we're in the same place. That part is nice. Yeah, Oshin's in Canada. We're getting some work done on Castro. But you didn't come straight here from Slovenia. No, I was in Chicago for the Release Notes conference last week or thereabouts. Um, so I was there for the week. Really enjoyed that conference. And we were up in Vancouver and now we're over on Salt Spring for, for a few nights. So How was Release Notes? Oh, Release Notes, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a really cool conference. Um, so anybody who doesn't know about it, it's kind of... I mean, it's mostly software developers that are there, but it's not a tech conference and it's not about code. Or it's, so it's more about the business side and like how we tackle that side of things when we're making software and doing what we can to try and make a living off it. I liked the photo of uh, the three generations of Unread. Yeah, that was felt like a, a momentous occasion in a way. I mean, 2.5 since you weren't there, but True. it was the first time that I got to meet John Brayton. So it was like super nice to hang out with him for a few days. And Jared was there too. And it's always good to see Jared. So we had a nice few days together. And yeah, I'm glad we managed to get Ben McCarthy took that picture with the three of us side by side one of the days at the conference. So it's a nice thing to have, I think. Yeah, that's cool. And John's doing a great job of keeping on red going. Yeah. Yeah, it's going cool. So yeah, we were talked a lot about Unread and kind of his plans for it and stuff that he's been working on and stuff that we've been working on for Castro. Some of it is an overlap. A lot of the stuff we did for 251 was about getting it to work with iPhone X, which I'm going to continually call iPhone X for the rest of its life. Um, and John has been working on similar stuff for Unread as well, and he's taken it good places. Yeah, that's cool. So yeah, 2.5.1 is in review, as you said. Um, should we talk about some of the features in it? I mean, it's a point one thing, so it's there's not that much in it. But like, I think the main stuff is the changes for the notch. Yeah, that was kind of it was stuff that we didn't really have time to get around to before two point five, and there wasn't a huge amount of urgency there since the phone wasn't going to come out for a while yet. So design wise, it was basically like, I guess the biggest question we had was like, yeah, what are we going to do? Do we embrace the notch? What do we do with the notch? And figure out that and landscape with the notch and all that kind of fun stuff so yeah the landscape stuff is pretty it'll be interesting to see how that all shapes up in a few months when people have the phones and app developers can start to design with the notch in mind from the start instead of just trying to refit their app to it yeah i mean so tonight's the night when we'll all get to like wait up until midnight and hopefully order our phones and hopefully get them before too long um i'm really looking forward to seeing castro and seeing all other apps like on the device itself there's only so much that you can get out of using it in the simulator and also i think some of this stuff is just going to take time as well it's going to be a question of over time what kind of approaches start to feel like they're that's the right way to do things with this new screen screen shape and screen size for castro i mean i feel totally fine with this for like for 251 we've always had this approach where we well since castro 2 we've had this approach where we conceptually keep the status bar like out of side of our app so we have a black background behind it but it's not even just that we then have it conceptually as this area that's 
like a black bar that's on top of our app. It's more that like we've kind of designed it in a way where the card and the rounded corner so that it's like our app like sits on top of this black area that has the status bar on the top and has like the controls for the player at the bottom mm-hmm. and the card sits in between them. So for this version, like the first version that we want to get working on the new phone, it seemed like that was like the most sensible way to go. Like we've already established this as like the visual metaphor for our app and to reimagine that right now would have involved like a lot of different design changes that I would have that I think ultimately would and should also like filter down to other phones. Like I don't want us to have one design approach on an iPhone 10 and a completely different approach on on the other phones. Like hopefully we can find a a way of doing it that's like consistent across them all. What do you mean, for example, like having something new that would go underneath the status bar, like incorporating that into Castro more? Right now, this feels feels good, but uh, like ultimately, I think whatever we decide to do with the status bar on the 10, and if that has implications for how we deal with the now playing bar and stuff like that at the bottom, I just think that should be consistent, like that we don't like have a completely different status bar strategy on, on the different devices. Yeah, totally. Status bar strategy. <laughs> there, there's the episode title. <laughs> But I, I think it feels like the right approach now to continue with what we've been doing. And it, I think it looks good in the simulator. I mean, I look forward to seeing how it's going to feel like on a device when we manage to get one. I guess I do have like some slight concerns about it just in terms of like concern maybe sounds too extreme. But I think it's something to keep an eye on and keep like long term. How does this feel like in Castro 2? I always really liked that we took this approach of basically handing the status bar back to the system and just saying, hey, we don't want anything to do with this. Totally. And then mirroring that like at the bottom of the screen with our now playing bar. I loved that in Castro 2 and I still love it today. But I just, I wonder like long term with the new iPhone X style screens, I wonder is that going to start feeling dated in some way? And like apps that do that, are they going to start looking like, oh, maybe they haven't been updated properly yet? If you don't update your app, do you just get no status bar at the moment? or If you don't update your app, you get your app is uh, window letterboxed in the middle. So black bars at the top and the bottom. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the status bar is then up in the notch, or at least the status like symbols are up in the notch area. But so whereas like your app originally may have, would, would have had an area that the status bar was covering, that will now be empty of content within a giant black bar above it and status bar symbols like up in the in the little notches or the anti-notches the horns yeah <laughs> so that letterboxing might be the hallmark of an app that hasn't been updated so yeah i can totally see how if castro comes across that way even though we have uh, made it work properly on that screen that what used to make castro feel kind of unique and different and be interesting might accidentally feed into it feeling like it's not updated anymore so yeah we'll keep on it i think we'll just have to see how the notch feels in like two or three months of actually using the phone yeah i don't want to rush into making any decisions on that really i I do think it's going to be a question of yeah seeing just seeing how it feels and seeing what what other people do and what ends up feeling feeling good another thing in castor 2.5.1 is that you can now share a podcast and not just an episode it's taken us a really long time to add this But there's a podcast called Welcome to Macintosh, which you probably already know of if you know our podcast, but if you don't, you should download it. It's by Mark Bramhall. And he got in touch with us because on each of his episode pages, he has links to each of the podcast apps that allow you to open that podcast in those apps, or at least go to their share pages, which then lets you open it in the apps. And Mark asked us for a link that would allow him to offer that for Castro too. 
we gave him the direct scheme link, like the URL scheme, which would open on the device. But because he's using Squarespace, which does not sponsor this podcast. <clears throat> no, because this podcast is sponsored by Stonehouse Bed and Breakfast. Dot com. <laughs> no, that's not even the URL. Dot <laughs> Google search. Dot yeah, com. just Google it. Come on, <laughs> like as if you're typing that in. Bramble gun touch. Uh, Squarespace won't allow you to put anything but a HTTP or HTTPS link on your web page, apparently. So we weren't able to give him a link that would work. We could have made like a tiny URL redirect thing, but basically we just took this as the reminder to like, we should have this feature for fuck's sake already. So in Caster 2.5.1, you can share podcasts and you can also open them in other people's apps, which is kind of a weird thing we did. Like. <laughs> From our share page, you can press listen in Overcast or listen in Pocket Casts. So if pe- if someone gets your share page and they don't happen to use Castro, they can now open it in their app easily enough too. We think that's a nice thing to do and recognize that people will always use different apps and that that's a good thing, that they don't all have to centralize on one particular one. The last part is that we used to depend on... I'm just talking away here <laughs> about all these features, but sure, Oshin can jump in if he wants what do you think about deep links Oshin do you like deep links I mean in theory that was such a great concept but the UI around it I guess the idea is that it sh- like it should be this like UI less thing just oh a link used to always be a web page a HTTP link used to always be a web page uh, we're open in Safari but if there's a particular app installed it's that is registered as being able to handle that URL it will jump out to that app instead. But then there's always been like this weird area around it where users could sometimes then decide that they wanted to go back to the web instead, but it wasn't always clear. Sometimes it would just open in Safari anyhow, and it wasn't always clear at all how you would actually get this link to open in your app. It's also really buggy. Like if you're in Safari and it's a page that can open in an app and you decide that's what you want because you want to queue it in Castro or whatever, when you swipe down to reveal the button that should provide that, it's only there some of the time. Um, and I've no idea what the logic is that determines whether that button is there or not. So we basically, we've had that as the thing we launched with for Castro 2, and it's been really frustrating. People don't know it's there for the most part. When they do, it's buggy and they can't always use it. So we just added a big open in Castro button on the top right that's always there. Unfortunately, if you don't have Castro installed and you tap that, it's going to just give a really cryptic error message from Safari. But it's better than not having the feature. So that's just what we have to do. Yeah, and even that was part of the reason behind us adding in all the extra buttons as well mm-hmm. to, to be like, like if opening Castro is the only option that's there and you don't have it installed and tapping it is going to give you this silly error, then we're like, oh, but we could have the, I mean, we also have the Apple podcast link. We have the link to the feed URL. And as you mentioned, Overcast and Pocketcast as well. So if you see those other options there and the one that you go for is opening Castro, I guess I feel there's probably a decent enough chance that you actually have Castro installed. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. So it's nice to have that done anyway. I think that was a good little project. Definitely it feels like that's not the kind of thing that we should only have like over a year after releasing Castro 2. But I mean, it's funny the things that I guess that can motivate you to just sit down and be like, okay, this is now the priority and it can be short. And it's, it was a short thing and we got it done quickly and I'm delighted now that it's there. And it could have been done quickly a year ago as well. But I mean, 
who knows what I mean priorities shift all the time and I mean it's not like that we were like sitting around twiddling our thumbs there was just always different priorities and this was a priority for this week so yeah. it got done and yeah it's funny that it was just that one podcast and Mark getting in touch asking for a link and we were like oh, just so frustrating that someone was reaching out trying to give us a link yeah now that we have it and now that we do have proper support for that stuff and like proper podcast share pages and all that kind of stuff as like the astute businessmen that we are I mean it would probably make sense for us to like at least have some sort of a page on our website that's like oh hey do you want to link to your podcast in Castro here's how you do it maybe even we should do some outreach to some podcasters that we do know and see if they'd be willing to link to Castro for their listeners as well and I mean I don't know if these are the kind of things that like you just all of a sudden you put out you get a few links on a few websites and then everything is just blows up and it's like oh my god now we have this really successful business Mm -hmm. but it seems like it should be one of those small things that's like okay if you do enough of this along with all these other things like maybe just these things can like over time like start helping and i would love to see more listening castro buttons around the internet and i think if people have listen in overcast and listen in pocket casts that they'll be happy to add a listening castro like they're there for their users they're not trying to like pick the yeah they're not trying to pick winners or like help their friends out or anything like that they just want um they want their listeners to be able to use whatever apps they want so we also added a feature to our website if you want a link to castro to allow somebody to do this you can just link to castro.fm forward slash itunes forward slash your itunes id of your podcast and then that'll redirect to our podcast page uh, so if anyone else wants to link back to us right now you can just do that and it works um, oh yeah, so that's kind of Castro 2.51. I mean, th- what's actually unique about this week, again, we alluded to it at the start, or we, we didn't really allude to it, we said it very explicitly that here we are, we're together, we're in Stonehouse, we're surrounded by, like, water and these, like, like rolling hills and ho- mountains of the other islands around, and there's a hot tub, but I don't know, it's all very, like, it's it, this is... <laughs> This is like my third or my fourth time here. And each time we come here, it's like we're at a planning stage or we're at a design stage of something. And it's always this really great place to come to because, yeah, we relax. We sit in the hot tub. We we sit around and chat. We have coffee and eat dinner. And it's not that we're just always saying like, oh, we got to work, 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 like consistently. But the kind of work that we manage to do when we're here is like the stuff that, the, the stuff that takes discussions, that takes like, maybe a little bit of slower thinking and then an idea comes out of somewhere and you write it down and um like i remember specifically i mean we came here to start castro 2 right yeah um about three years ago almost almost exactly three years ago we were here oh it was two. Oh, oh yeah no because Cast- oh yeah oh, what happens this time man three okay three years ago we came here for castro 2 yeah. that then that took us two years and then that came out like oh, about a year ago so okay yeah, that's Okay, so now, and now here we are, trying to start Castro 3, which is not going to come out in two years, right? Yeah, no, I definitely feel some trepidation about, like, okay, here we are, we're starting to think about Castro 3, and I just get nervous about, like, a point over release like that, because, well, we can't afford a two-year development cycle. I don't think, even if we were starting a new app, I don't think we could survive that in many different ways like not just financially just um, psychologically even I don't want to go through that ever again feels a bit strange to say Castro 3.0 because that reminds me of that big process one thing is 
okay, Castro 2 is 2.0, but we really just started again from scratch. So it's kind of a 1.0 in a way. And going from 0 to 1 or 0 to 2 in that case is a much bigger process than a normal like 2 to 3. We're not, we don't have to invent the whole universe. We can just add features, uh, redesign certain limited things within the app. And there's a lot less scope for going on going on weird adventures that turn into dead ends and don't work out. When I think about three years ago, so much of the stuff we designed and sketched out and thought like, okay, this is all be great, this has gone in the app. So much of that didn't make it into the the final app that you see today. And I almost wonder if some of that process was a bit destructive, like that we set ourselves up for things we like we maybe weren't critical enough of the designs and got too excited about them at the time instead of uh, coming up with focused things that we could do in a set amount of time. Um, it was all very open-ended. Uh, any idea that we could get excited about was like, yeah, that's in, we'll do it. And yeah, I just wonder about comparing that to now, where I think we're holding back a lot more and being much more thoughtful about what we can manage to do. Do you think the process we went through then to start designing Castro 2 was actually destructive and wasted some of our time? that we could have done that much differently and got done faster or I mean I think you can look back over a period of time and you know where you got in the end and you can be like oh yeah if we had just done this part earlier then we wouldn't have gone down those other dead ends that we did or whatever and I do think and there's an angle like on like maybe if we had some really strict process at the time where we were like okay don't start doing UI sketches until you've already considered x and y and z but at the same time I also think that some of those are mistakes that we had to make in a way or that like at least have shaped the way that I think about it now and the way that I'm approaching it now and like I don't regret them like that was very early stages of a project that we explicitly wanted to be a little bit like okay let's reinvent things a bit here like we know we don't want to do it the way we're doing it now and I'm not sure how methodical you can be and just say okay let's we're we're going to reinvent things but it's going to be this really clean process and we're just going to like sit down and like really be very logical about it and then go through the steps and then at the end we're going to have something something new in a way i think we had to it feels now like maybe we put the cart before the horse in some ways like when we got like really deep into some implementation details like before we had even had an overall concept of the app in our head I feel like that was a point of time where maybe maybe I needed or maybe we need, both needed to let ourselves like go deep in like some kind of slightly more off the wall ideas just because that's what we felt like we needed and we needed to go through that before we could like pull the reins in a bit and be like no hold on we need a tab bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or remember we did all these different sketches and all these different color treatments for like a new way that we were going to do theming within the app like podcast screens were going to be themed and we had this whole system worked out where like certain artwork could be flagged in this way on a server and then that would mean we'd give it this treatment because we would like knew that this was going to work for it and and yeah, none of that stuff ever made it into the app there's definitely a certain amount of like you have to see an idea through but for sure we could have yeah I I think we can just hopefully get better at like getting through that journey a bit faster and maybe not implementing it so in like such a production ready way from the start like get a get a rough enough prototype that's still good enough for us to be able to feel like we can decide whether it's a good idea or not there's also like we were committed to certain ideas like Castro 1's I think Castro 1 like the very first app we made got a lot of attention because of 
the podcast artwork treatment that we did some good and or lots good and some bad but i think it caught people's eyes because the app would pick out colors from the artwork and use that to draw the ui and everyone was kind of doing that around ios 7 like people were picking out a key color to like make the tint color but we went really far with it like it was the whole background of the episode and player screen very it defined the interface a lot and it provided this pretty cool feature where the when you opened an episode like you'd get a blast of whatever the main color in the <laughs> artwork was sometimes it was a bit overwhelming but it meant you knew where you were without like on-screen text navigation like you knew okay i'm definitely in the talk show because this screen looks amazingly good or i'm on there's one called test kitchen any red ones were just like <laughs> blindingly ugly and bad um so anyway so that was a big thing that was kind of successful for us in terms of at least in terms of critical reception for Castro 1 and we were really committed to bringing that into Castro 2 for a really long time and then eventually it just uh, we tried different things and put it off and put it off and then the app was good enough to ship and we thought okay maybe we'll come back to that and I think eventually we just let go of the idea because we, we didn't need it anymore maybe someday we'll come back to it but it really doesn't feel like a priority to me anymore there's definitely a certain amount of like letting those prized ideas go away I mean another big difference I think in our between how I think of how we were when we started Castro 2 and how I feel we are now is that with Castro 2 we had this big mentality that like okay this might take us quite a while but we are going to disappear now for a while Castro 1 is we'll do a little bit of updates on it but this is Castro 2's time and we're going to disappear in a sense away and like we're going to reinvent everything and when we emerge from the, at the end of this tunnel, we're going to have Castro 2. We're going to hold it up to the world, and it's going to be like, look what we have done. <laughs> we have brought this back from British Columbia for the rest of the world to enjoy. <laughs> and <laughs> when I th- think of like the discussions that we've had about Castro 3 over the last uh, few days, I think, first of all, that we wanted to get it out reasonably quickly like say early next year so that when we have talked about like things that we would want to be in it or things that we where where we want Castro to go like one idea that we've talked about a lot is like okay well how can we get some part of that into the app for Castro 3 so we're going to launch and we're going to have say feature (laughs) x we're going to have feature x and it's going to be in Castro 3 and it's going to be like okay Castro now has x and isn't that nice even though we're going to have already like a bunch more ideas that we have in mind of like, okay, but if we really, really do this, then that can be amazing. But it's like, okay, but let's get it out first and then see if the thing that we want to do that's going to make it really, really amazing is, is that a good idea? Is that still a good idea? And then if we're going to overachieve on it, we can do that afterwards in a point release. And I think that's going to help us actually ship. So I feel good about that. The main point is just that it's not, it doesn't all have to go into three. We need to get to three, and then after that, a, a healthier system will be if we can get to a position where like, we can just keep continually improving the app. Like We release an update every month or two or whatever, and we can keep going. I think it can also really help like the discoverability of some of these features, or at least uh, like, like when you can do an update and it's about one thing, and it was just all that we wanted to talk about with that update was, hey, look, we have got the best sleep timer now. 
Yeah. And you can talk about it in more detail. You could write a post about like why, what's bad about sleep timers and other apps. You could like do little demos of it. You could mm-hmm. go to town on the UI and do posts or do like draw attention to the UI side of things. Like there's, there's all this kind of stuff that you could do. And if, if you have an update that's concentrated on one thing, then you can tell the story of that thing. And yeah, where that would, that gets lost in a bigger release. Like no one really talked about sleep timer in the initial reviews of Castro two. So that didn't really buy us too much. And it's still like every now and again, we get a little tweet or an email of someone who's just acknowledging some nice detail of it because they've just discovered it recently. <laughs> so yeah, for, for a lot of reasons, it's a good idea to break those out if we can. Another thing that we've been doing is when we discuss an idea like Castro should have sync, like a lot of feedback we get is Castro should have sync. Um, breaking that, we've been breaking that down into the actual user facing features. Okay, people want to be able to delete the app and reinstall the app for various reasons and not lose all their data. That's a feature. People want to be able to use it on iPad and have it sync their data across. That's another separate feature within sync. But Castor is not on iPad now, so that wouldn't be wouldn't be an option today, even if we had sync. There's another thing where the way our notifications, well, I don't want to get into this in too much detail because it's kind of boring, but the architecture for our notifications involves our servers send a silent push to our podcast app, uh, and then it wakes up, and then it sends a local notification, which is the the actual visible UI you see on your phone. Because of how iOS manages background apps, sometimes it doesn't pass on the notification to us in the first place, so we don't get to notify the user that a new episode has arrived. And that's down to power management and preserving network data and all that kind of stuff. But if we had more of the user's information on our servers, we'd be able to use normal push notifications, which always appear and are very reliable. So that's another thing that had led us into wanting to do sync is because, okay, well, if we have that data, we can do these notifications. But this week we talked about it more and the feature is more reliable push notifications. And we can achieve that much more easily than we can achieve like sync. I think that's another good example of how we've been taking big feature ideas that are kind of daunting and could lead into two-year projects. Yeah, breaking them down into the subpoints of what it provides and then figuring out, do we need to do the huge project or can we do like two out of three of the small ones and still be progressing forward? That's, I don't know, that's another thing about how we're working that's making me more confident that we might actually hit our deadline in some way. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely feels good that like how we've managed to like extract out like the start points of like some of these different things and yeah that's what we'll focus on for now hopefully then as it goes forward there will always be like i I mean i wonder like how far can we get with say gradually getting towards sync for example as a feature can can we break it up and spread it out and be like five percent from finishing it and then finish it or like or can we just do little things and ultimately we still have to take a big jump someday Yeah. yeah i think that's 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 been running through my head a lot about sync in particular because even when I think of ideas for well for backup and restore maybe there's an account system uh, that was that was one idea for, for how that could work that you'd like give your email and then it would restore from our server but then you can end up in a situation where people do have multiple devices that are signed into the same account but their data isn't syncing yet and then you add syncing later and you have to reconcile all that stuff and that's just like so the whole point of sync is that it can reconcile conflicting data, but not like two years worth or a year's worth of uh, 
two different tracks merging together like that's never going to give the user what they want i do still think with sync that even when you come up with an idea of how you can take some steps towards getting it done it's more and more feeling like a feature that just has to be all in one Hmm. the way i would think about that feature or justify it as like okay we're going to spend the next three months working on this is if it's also tied to new platforms because that's where you absolutely need it yeah well it's a good thing that i don't know how to deal with our server so you can you can do that and i'll do the new platform okay (laughs) sounds good so we've said this lots of times on our podcast we usually don't like to promise features or even or we avoid promising features we attempt Um, to avoid we attempt to avoid it um, I just talked about iPad and Sync there. I think at the moment we're thinking iPad and Sync are much later, and we can, but we can do other things like the more reliable notifications and backup and restore without committing ourselves to a project that will ultimately lead to our early deaths. I mean, we want to be able to keep doing this, right? So we need to be like pragmatic about some of these things. Yeah, we can't disappear into a hole right now and come out with Sync at the end of it. Um, but we can start like we can start working towards it in some of these ways. Yeah. So, so I think that, feel, that feels good. Yeah. And and then hopefully, like, when we do release three and, like, that some of these ideas that we have, like, bear some fruit and it's like, okay, now we're in a decent position to keep going again and, like, we can just keep building upon that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we building towards here? Mm-hmm. That's not a direct question, but I just... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to remember one thing from... So one thing from Release Notes that stands out to me uh, is this talk that Max Seliman did where he talked through like the long and like difficult history of Ulysses, which is a writing app for, well, now it's for Mac, iOS, Mac and iOS, Mac and iPhone and iPad. And I mean, it, that app, he's been making it, I think, like 14 years or something. Uh, he was started as the sole developer. The company has expanded out and they've gone through like some pretty difficult times the way he did the talk was basically like a month by month rundown of like often like with revenue or like stories of what happened um, like over the course of 14 years not every single month but he didn't talk about every single month but like he went through in like a lot of detail about like oh like what worked and what didn't and how they tried to expand Um, there's, there's a lot of details there that I'm not going to try to like summarize myself right now but what really started working for them in the end was when, first of all, they started on the Mac. Mac App Store helped them when that came out. iPhone helped them when they did that. iPad helped them when they expanded there. When I look at the graphs, at least, I, it's not this sense that, like, oh, yeah, they just had to get to where they were on iPad. Or, oh, they, it's not just Mac plus iPhone plus iPad. Once they finally managed to, like, have this ecosystem where, like, all those parts are, like, greater than the the sum is what that phrase <laughs> greater than the sum of their parts or something like that that like yeah. when they reached this point where they had like built it all that it all kind of came together in that way as a multi-platform solution yeah that really struck me with like i got that writing app bear yeah and they came out the gate like that yeah um <laughs> i got it on ios first and then immediately a notes app um, i want sync anyway because i want to I want to be able to transition between my iPhone and my and my Mac. Um, but it was a brand new app, and I think they're just on every platform. It works on my iPad, my iPhone, and my, and my Mac. And I just subscribed subscribed to it right away, and it's great. But it really struck me that, like, okay, they just came out and they had every platform, and they this app wouldn't have worked as like a Notes app just on your phone, or at least it certainly wouldn't work for me. So 
yeah, there was def- there's definitely something about just being everywhere and having it work everywhere that I think is like the long term future of you know assuming Castro is still around in a few years that's basically where it should yeah. be it should be on like every platform okay so I don't know how Bear managed to like come out <laughs> of the gate like that or like very quickly or like they I mean it's worked really well for them and it's like it's beautiful app and it's amazing that they like have that ecosystem so quickly um, Ulysses also now like has that ecosystem as well and it seems to be really working for them and I, I'll, hopefully we can get to that point at some stage someday it's not going to be easy there's going to be like challenges along the way and in some ways I mean but it's I'm comforted in a way by looking back as well because I think some of the challenges we have already overcome some of those challenges and some of those difficult times that we talked about like where oh when we like maybe we or we got a bit like deep into our heads or into like certain implementations of Castro 2 um, and we worry like oh maybe like if we hadn't done that would we have got it out quicker etc etc I mean all that is like to me that's like some of the difficult times that we've gone through and we've come out the other side and we're still here and we've learned we're going to learn we've learned from some of those mistakes we'll hopefully still learning from those and other and future mistakes we'll continue to learn from them um but but yeah we have this huge thing done already like it has servers behind it that work properly like we have our like our triage idea which is what makes it unique and the overall interface and layout i'm really happy with like we'll we'll come back and redesign parts of it but like that overall structure is i I don't see that changing you mentioned earlier about holding back features for 3.0 and the idea being that because we're going to have a launch for 3.0 um there'll be some yeah there'll be a big fuss about it uh and we need to do that because that's the business world we're in um but it still kind of sucks that we have to hold things back like for example, if we had the watch app basically done, it would be nice to just release that as a point release. If we had it, yeah, that would be nice. Um, and get a little bit of attention and like keep things moving forward. And from someone who worries about making big changes to a code base and breaking something for 20,000 users, it's so much nicer to just like, okay, we're releasing this small feature which changes a few things internally versus like, okay, we're releasing eight months of code. Um, here you go. <laughs> Hope it works. In a lot of ways, it would be really nice to just keep ticking forward and always, like, every two or three months have another 0.1, 0.2, But I think just the business realities of the world we're in at the moment, with Castro at least, at the point it's at, not that every app has to work this way, I think we just, that's what we have to do this time. And maybe by the time we get to four, we'll be able to do something different. But Yeah, there's one other talk from release notes that keeps coming up in my mind this week uh, as we've been talking through stuff um, and that's Curtis Herbert's talk about his app Slopes which is for tracking ski runs his talk was about how he kind of ended up looking a bit more to like the software as a service world on the web for inspiration as to like how to go about like running his app store business um, as opposed to say for example looking more at like the kind of the heyday of Mac app development where it was all about like charging very decent prices, high prices for like really polished software and like the polish and all that side of things was what people really respected and what people were willing to pay for. Um, now he talks more about like looking at software as a service as like a model for like how we can approach and like how we can still maybe find ways to make money on the app store. Um, very interesting talk that he did. But anyhow, one of the aspects of that was 
not to always be focusing on like this monolithic really update that's going to happen like in a year or in six months or something that like uh, web apps are like rolling out updates like every day or every week or like like very quickly and that like and that a lot of the story for these updates is that like like to just basically to keep focusing on the user and on improve like how is this going to like improve things for the user rather than after six months yeah it is okay Castro Tree is going to be better for the users as well, but also the reason why it has to come out in six months instead of like coming out bit by bit over the next six months or is for us in a way, because the position that our business is in right now, this is a requirement. This is like what we like. Hopefully, we can get past it and we can like get to a position where we don't feel like we have to have like this big splash of an update once a year or whatever. But I definitely would like to be at a point where we were able to just release things when they were done and to also just have both of us working on a given small project that we're like both excited and motivated about rather than like okay I'll go I'll go invent sync and you go write the iPad app and then we can both individually get lost in our own worlds and kind of lose motivation that way too so yeah there's a lot of reasons why it would be much nicer to be like that it sounds like we're dancing around the idea that we're going to ch- move to subscription um, we're not doing that anytime soon, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for Curtis, I mean, the, it, it's what it's not necessarily subscription either for him. Which I mean, this is not the direction we're going to go either. He found a model that really suited his app uh, because it's like focused around uh, tracking your runs if you go like on a ski trip or a snowboarding trip or whatever. Like he he sells like, essentially access to the features as like a day pass or a week pass or a season pass so it all like kind of fits in with the metaphor of the skiing and the snowboarding and stuff yeah, um like, I, like i'm so jealous we should make an app we, let's just make a snowboarding app. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like from a marketing point of view there's that pre-made conception of like okay yeah well i'm going to the ski hill i'm going to pay a hundred dollars to yeah. be allowed to ski so i'm going to spend whatever yeah and it's a vacation as well so it's like it's all in the vacation fund or something it doesn't feel like you're just deciding, oh, will I buy a new email app or not? Um, where I don't think podcasts have any analogies like that that can help shift people into a mind a mindset where they're like, oh yeah, yeah, of course I should pay a tenner for this. Yeah, so for Curtis, I mean that recurring revenue is what is part of what he thinks gives him like the or like helps him to. Uh, think about approaching his software in this way where is it like where he's going to like just keep re- like improving it slowly over time like point release by point release rather than focusing on version numbers and big updates yeah, yeah. Um, but I would say as well that it like it's not just that there's a business model and then therefore that matches like it's to success or like that it's like or that like only this kind of business model can work and this other one can't and that you need this business model to be able to approach software in this way I mean Curtis's talk was great and like it gave me a lot of like I've been thinking about it a lot since then and I I think I still will continue to um and this isn't his point either but just I think one thing that I realized after I was thinking about it was that it's not that like okay if you want to approach making the software in this way then you need this type of business model I mean it's also just down to like the individual business and how it's going and all that stuff of course and like like for example Pocketcast is also is a paid up front app on iOS and on Android like in many ways going against especially on Android going against the conventional wisdom of like oh you can't charge for apps and stuff like that but because their audience is still growing and because they manage to still keep continually selling like new copies of the app often enough like they haven't had to charge for an update for years as far as i know 
yeah um, and they've managed to expand out to different platforms and stuff like that so it's like it's it's not that you have to be say free within a purchase or that you have to be subscription based to be able to do these things but i guess we're all kind of come along at our own individual stages into markets that already either are saturated or are open or have like that already have their very specific ways that they're working like even if say we had sync and we had ipad and even android and everything now i'd still be kind of nervous about moving to subscription because there are so many alternatives that are like okay get overcast and you have that sync and it's free and it doesn't charge for a subscription if 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 that app works for you then do that or pocket casts you pay for it once then you just have sync for well presumably not forever but like at least for a long time so yeah the pre-existing state of the market is definitely a big yeah it maybe limits what your options are for business models and stuff like that and changes yeah all those things feed in and it's not like you can copy one experience and then paste it onto another market altogether and have it work out but i mean in a way all software is all software revenue is like recurring revenue because if they don't go out of business they're gonna have to charge you again at some point like not many businesses can keep getting new customers forever um they have to go back and ask you for money again sometime so it's just a matter of whether you know that up front or not and how, how much the cost is but that's speaking as like a very hyper rational economist but in reality people think about these things differently and if something moves to subscription all of a sudden then it feels bad even if the truth was they were just going to charge you for an upgrade every year anyway Patrick Kennedy the hyper rational economist we should probably start wrapping this thing up we've been recording for an hour and there's a hot tub out there that's like there's nobody in it this is ridiculous yeah that hot tub is being wasted and we're very conscientious people so we're gonna stop talking to you okay so thank you guys for tuning in to this edition of the Superdop podcast coming at you live from British Columbia. Uh, we'll be back soon when we have something else to talk about. <laughs>